Welcome to Above Avalon. This is episode 117, Lots of Questions. Hi, I'm Neil. Last week's episode was dedicated to going over Apple's performance in 2017. This episode, we are going to look ahead at Apple in 2018. The beginning of January is a great time to embrace the unknown that's found with the new year. You usually see people make predictions around this time of the year for what may happen over the next 12 months. I don't think there's a lot of value in that. Not only do you have to get the actual item correct that you're making the prediction for, but you have to get the timing right. It's pretty difficult to do. Instead, I think there's a lot more value in embracing the unknown and asking a lot of questions. What you'll find is at the end of this episode, after we go through all of the questions that I have for Apple in 2018, you're actually going to get a better sense of how Apple's positioned for the new year. It seems a little counterintuitive. By going over the unknown, we actually end up getting more information than just going through a long list of possible predictions. Before we jump into the questions, I did have one disclaimer. There may be certain topics, maybe a product, a service, an executive, or geography that I don't talk about in this episode, that I may not have certain questions for. I wouldn't read too much into the fact that I may leave something out or that I may not discuss something. As it turned out, I removed a lot of questions from this list. So that does mean that certain products aren't going to get mentioned. The final point is that I will provide context for some of these questions. So I'm not just going to run through 60 questions. I think there is value in maybe taking apart some of these questions to get the full look at, at what may be happening. With that, we're going to jump into this list of questions, beginning with iPhone. How many new iPhones will Apple launch in 2018? Notice how the question isn't Will Apple launch iPhones in 2018? We can have a lot of confidence in knowing that there will be at least one new iPhone model. This is a business that Apple cannot go more than a year without an update. That could very well change in the future once the landscape changes, but given how the iPhone upgrade cycle is trending, given the number of new people that are entering the iPhone install base, Apple really can't go beyond 12 months without seeing at least one update. By announcing three new iPhones simultaneously last year, iPhone 8, 8 Plus, and 10, I think that introduces a very interesting dynamic when it comes to new iPhones in 2018. What is Apple going to do with the iPhone 10 form factor? So that's Face ID, no home button. Do you expand that to another model? What do you do with the traditional iPhone form factor, such as 8, 8 Plus, with that home button? with Touch ID. Do you update those models as well? You can see how there is a possibility of introducing a number of new iPhone models. The second question, will Apple introduce a larger iPhone? I've been using an iPhone 10 since launch, and I do think I would be interested in a larger version of this. So take the iPhone 10, take Face ID, and put it in a form factor that's similar to, say, an iPhone 8 Plus you could probably fit a 6.5-inch screen in such a form factor, maybe a little bit bigger. I think I still would be able to fit that in, say, a pants pocket, in a book bag, 
it would be pretty versatile for me. Now, of course, that's not for everybody. I think this phone would be probably too large for most people. But if you have a certain percentage of the user base that would be interested in, say, $1,300, $1,400 iPhone with a 6.5-inch screen, I think that's pretty hard for Apple to pass up. I think there is enough of a possibility there that you kind of go in that direction. Of course, there is a multi-year trend here of iPhones becoming larger over time. So I think that's another factor to consider. Face ID 2.0. Will Apple unveil a second version of Face ID with additional features and capabilities? One way of thinking about this is if you go back to Touch ID, that very first version of Touch ID, and then compare it to the Touch ID that's found in iPhone 8 and iPhone 8 Plus, there's a pretty big difference. You're talking about speed, talking about accuracy, failure rate. I think Face ID could be very similar, where over time, Face ID is going to continue to improve. And maybe Face ID 2.0 or 3.0 will be to the point where you can leave an iPhone flat on a desk, just look at it off to the side, and you can unlock it that way. Or if you get up in the morning and you can't see because your glasses are on the nightstand, you don't have to worry about holding that iPhone 10 a little bit too far away from your face or face ID to work. Instead, that proximity could be not as big of an issue. So all those things could be included in an updated face ID. Next question, iPhone SE. Will Apple update the iPhone SE? I actually included that question separately from the very first question about new iPhones because I think the iPhone SE is a special phone. It has a special place in the iPhone line. Now, while a four-inch smartphone screen does look pretty out of place in today's smartphone landscape, not to mention Apple's product line, the iPhone SE does serve a number of key functions for Apple. The iPhone SE is the entry-level option into the iPhone ecosystem. That's pretty important. In addition, the iPhone SE is becoming a crucial part of Apple's strategy for building a supply chain in India. So I do think the ingredients are there for seeing something new with iPhone SE. Will that be in 2018? Maybe a different part of 2018? We will see. The next question has to do with pricing. How will Apple expand the iPhone's pricing spectrum in 2018? So we have Apple becoming very aggressive on two ends here. At the low end, by cutting the entry-level iPhone price, and at the high end, by introducing iPhone 10 and introducing SKUs that are over $1,000. Well, given some of the questions we've just talked about, it is possible that that pricing spectrum continues to expand, that we see even more SKUs above $1,000, and that that lower, that entry-level iPhone SE price could continue to decline. Naming. What is Apple's plan for iPhone nomenclature going forward? We have the iPhone 10, a very polarizing name, <laughs> very interesting name. I think it adds a new twist for what Apple does in 2018 when it comes to new iPhones. What do you do? Do you just kind of start going iPhone 11? Do you do iPhone with a X and an I for iPhone 11? Do you stop the numbers altogether and just kind of go iPhone? It's safe to say that given the incredible debate around iPhone naming in 2017, 2018 may even be even more crazy. The next question, 
upgrade cycle. Will the iPhone upgrade cycle continue to extend? The average iPhone user is holding on to their iPhone for a longer amount of time before upgrading. One reason that this statement has been so polarizing in recent years is that a lot of the customer survey work that different research firms are doing, it hasn't been able to capture this. Reason being, you have a lot of new people in the iPhone install base, they've never upgraded before. And so if you're polling these people, asking them, well, how often do you hold your iPhone? They don't know. <laughs> they've been holding on to their first iPhone. So every month that goes by, well, they're holding on to their iPhone for longer. And so then you're starting to rely on intentions. I don't like those kind of surveys. It, they're very unreliable. So we just don't have a lot of data as to where the upgrade cycle is headed. All we know is it's getting longer. At least that's my opinion. And you can see even Apple struggles at times to really get a good grasp on this issue. This next question may be one of my more interesting questions for the year. It has to do with over-serving users. Will we see additional evidence of Apple over-serving customers with iPhone? What does that mean, over-serving a customer? If an iPhone user feels like their needs are being met with older iPhones that have less advanced features, that's a challenge for Apple. Because here you have a company, they're coming out with new iPhones with more advanced features year after year, yet this person, well, they're content with less. Now, it's not to the point where, oh, wow, the iPhone business is going to implode next year because of this. But it is a longer-term trend to keep in mind. And Apple needs to monitor this when it comes to deciding which new features do you include in iPhone. You have to tailor those features to suit your customers. And this doesn't mean that you ask your customers what they want. I don't think many people would have asked for Face ID. But the point is you have to see, are people being content with less? The next question has to do with India. How will Apple alter its iPhone strategy in India to improve accessibility? That primarily has to do with price, but you also have an issue concerning Apple retail. Now, I know it's very easy to say, well, Apple doesn't care about market share, so why does this even matter? They could just keep selling an iPhone, call it a day. Well, if you look at how Apple has been managing the iPhone business, it's not that they care about market share, but they do care about making the iPhone more accessible over time. So this involves slowly and gradually lowering that entry-level price to make it more accessible. This isn't about coming up with a cheap iPhone that jeopardizes the Apple experience. It's about taking a certain form factor, maybe the iPhone SE, and lowering the price, continuing to work at that, and in the process, you're making this accessible to more people around the world. The final question, new user growth. How will Apple respond to slowing new iPhone user growth? It does appear that Apple is running out of pockets of premium smartphone users around the world. So what does this mean? Well, to expand the iPhone install base, Apple will either have to appeal to increasingly loyal premium Android users who are probably on either a Samsung smartphone or a Huawei smartphone, or Apple will need to begin moving down that pricing pyramid and appeal to Android users in lower priced tiers. That brings us to iPad. Will Apple unveil new iPads. The company does not necessarily follow an annual schedule for 
iPad updates as it does with iPhones. A different business, there are different dynamics, a different upgrade cycle. Sticking with this theme of possible new iPads, will iPad receive Face ID in 2018? I think Face ID is the future. And I do think it's inevitable that the technology will eventually make its way over to iPad. With that said, there are still plenty of questions around this. We have questions around timing. Is that something Apple will do this year? Or are we looking out more like 2019? And there are a lot of questions around how this will actually be implemented. We use our iPads differently than iPhones. So how do you actually fit Face ID into an iPad? It's not as simple as just, well, just put it on the top and call it a day. So I think Face ID on iPad, it's a pretty big question for the iPad business. Next up, iPad mini. Similar to iPhone SE, this one has always a lot of discussion around it. What is Apple's plan for the 7.9-inch iPad mini? The form factor is looking increasingly awkward in the iPad line. In addition, when you're talking about larger iPhones, having a 7.9-inch iPad mini, it starts to become more questionable. By removing iPad mini 2 from the lineup last year, one thing that Apple did was they also removed the iPad mini form factor as holding that lowest priced entry-level option. A lot of people looked at that as the crucial reason for continuing to sell an iPad mini. But now with the 9.7-inch iPad as the entry-level option, does that kind of give the iPad mini much less reason to continue existing in the line? How aggressive will Apple become with entry-level 9.7-inch iPad pricing? Last year, the company slashed pricing for that 9.7-inch new iPad to $329, $299 for education institutions. There is room for Apple to continue bringing that price even lower to become even more aggressive, so we'll see if that happens. And the final question, will Apple unveil new iPad features specifically targeting education? Management is well aware of iPad's weakened position in the classroom. But a good argument can be made that Apple was dragging their feet here. They looked at a cheap Chromebook laptop as not as big of a threat as they should have. And so now what you see the company doing is they're becoming ultra-aggressive with pricing, but that's not going to be enough. They have to now try to appeal the school districts and administrators who have increasingly been planning lessons based around laptops, around those keyboards. And I think that's the challenge for Apple when it comes to iPad and education. Next up is Apple Watch. Will there be a new Apple Watch unveiled in 2018? It sure seems like Apple is following an annual cadence for Apple Watch updates, but I wouldn't run too fast with any assumptions about updating. Apple Watch is still a very young product category, and I think we have to keep that in mind. Will Apple alter the Apple Watch form factor? While there have been some minor cosmetic changes from year to year, Apple has pretty much maintained the overall, the original Apple Watch form factor that was unveiled in 2014. So we're talking about four years without a major form factor change. So you got to think, if there was one in the pipeline in the beginning when Apple first unveiled Apple Watch, it probably will be coming up pretty soon. Will Apple begin to reveal assumptions regarding an Apple Watch upgrade cycle? I do think a revised Apple Watch form factor would speak volumes as to how Apple 
may be thinking about a potential Apple Watch upgrade cycle. So this means if you're seeing a brand new form factor for Apple Watch, the company could be making a bet that, okay, well, all of the people who have previously bought an Apple Watch, they may be interested in upgrading. And we are talking about tens of millions of people here, so it's not a small number. Which features will anchor a new Apple Watch? Similar to iPhone, with Apple Watch, Apple likes to have two or three marquee features to anchor a marketing campaign around. In the past, it's been very easy to just say, oh, well, Apple Watch features, it's probably going to be health sensors. So new health sensors. However, if you look at what Apple has been focused on doing with Apple Watch, the key feature has been gaining independency. In 2016, Apple Watch gained GPS. Last year, Apple Watch gained cellular connectivity. So I think a key feature may be along the lines of improved independency or greater independency from iPhone. New watch bands. How many new Apple Watch band collections will Apple unveil in 2018? For the first time last year, Apple unveiled new watch bands outside of product events. So we could see seasonal updates continue in 2018. Which new features will anchor watchOS 5? The company's strategy to choose quality over quantity with watchOS 4, I think it worked out for them. So we'll see if it watchOS 5, does the company maybe focus a little bit more on quantity of new features? New partnerships. Will Apple introduce new Apple Watch partnerships in 2018? For the past few years, instead of expanding the number of partnerships, Apple has been focused on strengthening its existing ones with Hermes and Nike. 2018 may be different for one reason. If Apple sees the need to remove some oxygen from either the fashion watch segment of the market or maybe the endurance, fitness, smartwatch niche, you could be going after slightly different partnerships that may be addressing those segments of the market. And that's where Fossil and Garmin are playing respectfully. Fossil focused on sort of the fashion watch Garmin, Endurance Sports. Pricing. How aggressive will Apple become with entry-level Apple Watch pricing? We have seen Apple continue to lower that entry-level price, and I think it's helped sales. The final question for Apple Watch. Will Apple begin to disclose Apple Watch unit sales? Pretty interesting question. I think a strong case can be made for Apple to take advantage of this strong sales momentum found with Apple Watch and disclose unit sales. They don't have to disclose revenue. They could continue to lump that in with the other products line item. Instead, on the earnings conference call, they could just say, we sell 10 million Apple Watches this quarter. I think that could change the Apple Watch narrative for Apple. So I would keep an eye on that. Next up is Mac. Will Apple unveil a new MacBook Pro in 2018? As with iPad Apple doesn't necessarily follow an annual cadence when it comes to Mac updates. So there are a lot of questions over Mac update schedules. Apple management has indicated that it's aware of some user complaints with MacBook Pro, and there's a lot of them. And historically, Apple has been quick at addressing those issues and problems. I think the big question here is, does Apple actually view those complaints as legitimate problems or as just sort of friction? as, well, you're going to get these types of complaints given where we want to take the MacBook Pro. You can see how in that scenario, 
you may not be, you may not have Apple be too quick at changing the MacBook Pro strategy. Will Apple continue to sell MacBook Air? The model does increasingly appear to be merely a placeholder in order for Apple to sell a Mac portable for less than $1,000. However, based on the feedback I keep getting from people, there's interest in MacBook Air. A lot of people like its reliability. They like it because they're familiar with it. So we'll see if Apple, maybe they just continue to keep it in the line just because it continues to sell. Pretty simple reason. Will Apple unveil the new Mac Pro in standalone display in 2018? We know a Mac Pro is coming. We know a new Apple standalone display is coming. The big question is when. My final Mac question is, what are Apple's plans for Mac Mini? Tim Cook seems to signal a new Mac Mini is in the works. I wonder if maybe a new one would be introduced alongside a new Mac Pro. However, there's a debate around that. And I think there's even a debate around whether the Mac Mini has a future in the Mac line. Again, Apple seems to say there is a future for Mac Mini. It's just we don't know what that future looks like. It is worth pointing out, this is the first time I did not include a question about an iOS-powered Mac or the convergence of iOS and macOS. And I had people saying, why didn't you include this? Why do you not think it's likely? Again, I wouldn't read into it. I actually did have a question about it. I removed it from the official list right before publication. A lot of it's just because I don't think it's as big of a story as a lot of people are making it out to be. I don't think it's an indicator. We're talking about iOS apps on Mac. I don't think it's an indicator of vertical touchscreens coming to the Mac or the iPad becoming more Mac-like. I don't see that. So that kind of would explain why you don't see a question about Mac OS and iOS convergence in this year's Mac questions. From this point forward, we're going to go a little bit quicker because we're now moving away from Apple's primary product categories. And now we're going to go into some of the accessories. First up, AirPods. Will Apple unveil new AirPods in 2018? We know a new AirPods case designed to work with Apple's new AirPower wireless charging pad. That's coming. We know that. When thinking about new wireless AirPods, there are plenty of new features that Apple can bring to the product. A lot of them are health-related items. I think the big question here is if those features actually get the green light to market especially when it comes to how you position wireless AirPods next to Apple Watch. Is the Apple Watch going to be Apple's primary health monitoring device? When you listen to some of the industry chatter or industry talk, some of it is noise, but there are a lot of people who think the ear makes more sense for health monitoring, but you don't get a screen with that. That's why I think Apple Watch is still probably better positioned for health monitoring, regardless I think there's going to be a little bit of a debate there as to which ends up getting health monitoring features. I don't think both products will get the same kind of features. Will Apple sell AirPods in a color other than white? This seems like a very minor question. How do I include this question and not other questions? But I think it's a big deal. When you're talking about AirPods in terms of unit sales, in terms of mindshare, having AirPods in a lot of colors could mean a lot. It could be a big deal. I think there's a lot of consumer interest in that. However, I'm not sold yet on the idea that AirPods should be viewed similarly to, say, Apple Watch bands. And you sell them in all of these different color options, these patterns. 
I'm not there yet. I'm not sold quite yet on that. One difference could be that wireless earpods are an accessory. Apple Watch is a main product category. So there could be a little bit more going on there. But we'll see in 2018. Maybe Apple does introduce a range of different colors for AirPods. Similarly to that, what is Apple's stance on offering various AirPods sizes? When the AirPods first came out, I did have a lot of people say, doesn't quite fit well in my ear. I need something different. I need a little bit of a, a modification. Different sizes may work. We'll see if Apple becomes a little bit more open to that idea in 2018. HomePod. There's been a lot of chatter about this product ever since Apple delayed it. When will Apple launch HomePod? So given the company's statement of launching in early 2018, we would imagine that means sometime between now and I would say the end of March. I think once you go beyond March, it's not really early 2018. Now you're starting to talk more like mid-2018. Features. Will Apple unveil new HomePod features that weren't announced on stage during WWDC? I continue to think there's a decent amount of this product that we don't know, especially when it comes to how this device is designed to be used with Siri and other Apple products and services. All we know for now is that it sounds pretty good. I listened to it back at WWDC. Yeah, it sounds pretty good. Again, I'm, I'm, I'm underselling it. I, I think it sounds really great. I think it's going to be marketed as the best speaker that you've ever owned. But again, that's not the full story. There's something else here pertaining to Siri, pertaining to how multiple people use this. We don't know the answers to that yet. My final question for HomePod, will Apple launch HomePod at $349? That was the price that was announced on stage at WWDC. It would be unprecedented for Apple to change the price of an unreleased product between unveiling and launch. But we'll see. Apple TV. Will Apple update Apple TV pricing in 2018? The company did increase Apple TV pricing with Apple TV 4K. I think the move highlights a company with a very different view of the video streaming box market. I think Apple TV tends to get a lot more criticism than it deserves. And a lot of that criticism probably has to do more with broader dynamics involving television, including television sets. But I think given what we know about Apple's strategy, and my theory on where Apple's going with this. I don't think the Apple TV strategy is a disaster. I just think that it's still a work in progress. And there are additional questions concerning Apple TV from a content point of view, but we'll talk about that in a few minutes in its own section. Next up is iOS. What will be the major themes for iOS 12? I think a release that's focused more on quality over quantity when it comes to new features probably wouldn't be met with much disagreement in some places of the Apple community, especially given what appears to be, or the perception of, pretty bad, pretty awful bugs that are starting to question what Apple is exactly doing here. So I think if you have a release that is much more focused on quality, that could go over really well with the community. Which features will get Apple's attention when looking at iOS 12? I think candidates high on the list include the camera, photos, AR kit, and home kit. Next up is Siri. For the first time, I gave Siri its own category, and that's to reflect its growing importance. This question I left broad on purpose. How is Apple going to push Siri forward in 2018? There is evidence of Siri receiving far too much criticism for what amounts to genuine improvement and advancements in recent years. So I think the bigger question here is what is Apple's view 
on how Siri should be in our life. What is Siri's role to play? And I think if Apple can make that a little bit clearer and can demonstrate what they're thinking, that could help the overall narrative surrounding Siri. There's a lot of questions around digital voice assistants, and that's why it could go in a lot of different directions for 2018, but I kept it as, what is the vision here? Next up is content, and we will begin with Apple Music. What are Apple's plans for Apple Music in 2018? There are about 35 million paying Apple Music subscribers, and if you take into account all of those family plans, there's probably between 40 million and 45 million people using Apple Music. Apple's unofficial goal is to get 100 million paying Apple Music subscribers. So they're about one-third of the way there. So what are Apple's plans to continue driving Apple Music adoption in the new year? When will Apple launch its video streaming service? The company continues to build out what I am referring to as its Apple Studios division, focused on original content programming. So will we get a better clue as to when all of this is going to see the green light. Will Apple combine an Apple Music streaming service with an Apple Video streaming service to form an Apple Entertainment Bundle? I do think such a product would give both Apple Music and Apple Video much differentiation in what is becoming a very crowded market. The question could be maybe this is a little bit early. This could be more of a 2019 theme. My final question involving content actually has to do with podcasts. Will Apple look to leverage its longstanding power as a podcast distributor into something else? I'm also kind of thinking of Apple Watch when I'm talking about podcasts and Apple maybe doing something interesting in that space. Next up is services, which includes Apple Maps and Apple Pay. What are Apple's plans for improving Apple Maps in non-U.S. geographies? For Apple Pay, does Apple have a strategy for increasing Apple Pay adoption among U.S. retailers? So the way this works out, I actually think Apple Maps is pretty good in the U.S., but not as good outside the U.S. And in Apple Pay, given the industry structure, I think Apple Pay is better outside the U.S. than it is inside the U.S., just because it is still very difficult to find retailers who are accepting Apple Pay. M&A, which companies will Apple buy in 2018? I left that question open-ended on purpose. One would assume augmented reality companies may be high on Apple's M&A target list. The other question is, will Apple take a deeper step into venture capital and tech fund investing? Recently, the company said that such investments will aid in the discovery of new technology in an increasingly competitive landscape, that did seem to open the door for Apple to do more of those types of deals in the near future. Project Titan. I only have one question this year. It has to do with objectives. What are Apple's plans and objectives for Project Titan in 2018? We have been getting clues that Project Titan is still a thing. It's still a priority when looking at Apple R&D. Apple continues to investigate self-driving cars. And of course, longer term, I do think Apple is interested in both software and hardware when it comes to transportation and also services. Can't, can't forget about services when you talk about the future of transportation. Next up, Washington and Wall Street. The first question has to do with U.S. manufacturing. How will Apple respond to increased pressure from Washington to bring manufacturing jobs back to the U.S.? 
so far, Apple's response has been just to ratchet up its PR around current job creation efforts in Texas and various Apple suppliers, also the App Store economy. Will Apple expand its manufacturing fund for U.S. manufacturers? The company has been gifting pretty sizable amounts of capital to a handful of U.S. suppliers. Why are they doing this? Well, it makes her a good story, so it's good PR. In addition, Apple gets improved supply of critical components that they need for various products. So there's a couple of wins for Apple in that area. When will Apple bring back its foreign cash? So we have shifted now over to the balance sheet. Once the cash is in U.S. subsidiaries, how will Apple remove all of this excess cash from the balance sheet? How much will Apple spend on share buyback in 2018? What will be Apple's new quarterly cash dividend in the new year? That announcement will probably be made sometime in the spring. Turning our attention to management, will there be any high-level turnover at Apple in 2018? There's no obvious candidate when you're looking at the senior vice president of Rakes that is either at risk of being removed or close to retirement. But I think it's always something to keep in mind. New faces. Will Tim Cook expand Apple's executive team? How will responsibility be split among Tim Cook's inner circle? I'm talking about Jeff Williams, Eddie Q, and Phil Schiller. Each is overlooking key aspects of Apple's business. And which executive will gain power and influence within Apple in 2018? The next, Apple Industrial Design. I give this topic its own set of questions, given its importance to Apple. The first one has to do with Johnny Ive. Will we get any surprises from Johnny in 2018? With Apple Park mostly completed, the new design language for Apple retail finished, it does appear Johnny is dedicating time and attention to new product initiatives. Will there be additional turnover in the Apple industrial design group? Apple has lost an industrial designer both in 2016 and 2017. Will Apple add to its industrial design group? Johnny may actually want to keep the team small, but there is space for one or two new faces. One additional benefit of a few new hires would be fresh ideas, entering the team dynamic that underpins Apple industrial design. Finally, how will Apple's industrial designers adapt to Apple Park? For the first time, Apple's going to have one large design studio that contains hundreds of designers. In the past, those designers have been in a web of disconnected spaces, and it's been difficult to collaborate, difficult to talk, difficult to see each other. So this process, I think, will inevitably lead to some kind of change in terms of team dynamics when looking at Apple design. This takes us to wild cards. I think the first wild card that I probably would mention is product events. So how many product events will Apple hold in 2018, Apple held only two events in 2017, WWDC in June and the product event Steve Jobs Theater in September. One of my theories as to why Apple is experiencing a number of hardware and software delays is that the company had to prematurely announce those products since there were only two events to unveil them at. So in 2018, do you see Apple having more product events, maybe more spread out, maybe a spring event? We'll see. Health and medical. Does Apple plan to announce new health and medical initiatives? There's a lot of focus in that area. And up to now, we're still kind of seeing baby steps. We saw a little bit in terms of the heart study that Apple recently announced. I think there could be more in that area. I would include China as a wild card. 
there's always China could always be viewed as a wild card when it comes to Apple. But there's always ongoing tension between the U.S. and China. Will that impact Apple's business prospects in China? The next question, will Apple alter its public image in 2018? Changes can include maybe a renewed focus on a particular area of the business, maybe more focus on design or Siri or insert any other topic that maybe Apple wants to change the narrative in the press. And then finally, the last question, I always have ended my list of questions with this. It has to do with new product categories. Will Apple unveil a completely new product category in 2018? In recent years, Apple has unveiled a number of new accessories. So in 2015, Apple unveiled Apple Pencil. In 2016, it was wireless earpods. And in 2017, it was HomePod. So does Apple have plans to announce something brand new in 2018? After going over a few dozen questions about Apple in 2018, I think the main takeaway isn't about, well, there's so much that we don't know or that there's so much unknown. I actually think we got a pretty good handle of where Apple's position for 2018. We can see where some of their strengths are. We could see where some of their priorities are. But at the same time, I think some of these questions begin to raise where some of the company's weaknesses are, where Apple may need to push farther, faster at to respond to competitive pressures. Maybe Apple still has some work to do in certain products. It's interesting how raising questions and embracing the unknown actually provides some clarity here. That's my objective. And using early January as a time to ask all of these questions about the next 12 months. And whenever I talk about these questions, I always like to end the discussion with a question. What are going to be the surprises that impact Apple in 2018? What events, what products, what people will suddenly appear on the radar? What are the questions that we haven't even thought of asking yet? That's going to do it for today's episode. Taking a look at some of the other stories that I wrote about this week, Apple released App Store financials for 2017. There weren't many data points, but if we took what Apple released and compared it to previous years, there were a number of observations you could reach about the health of the App Store. We had reports that Jimmy Iving is planning to leave Apple in August. I do think that raises a number of questions, so we went over that topic in more detail. GoPro pre-announced pretty bad holiday results. The company is firing a portion of its employees. It's getting out of the drone market after only really a year or so. We revisited GoPro as a possible Apple acquisition target. Does it make sense? We also talked about a survey that said stationary speakers are beginning to impact smartphone usage. So we went over the survey in a little bit more detail and we went over my view on what I think is going on here in terms of stationary speakers, smartphone usage, and where wearables fits into this discussion. I took a deep dive into this letter from two Apple investors that urged the company to address iPhone addiction among kids. There's a lot that's going on with this letter, questions around why these investors are actually writing this letter in the first place. I think I figured it out, and, and it's, it's, not, it's not well reported. So there's a lot to it. I also kind of talked about my overall view of who is to blame for iPhone addiction among kids. 
I went over my thoughts about CES 2018 and this idea of Amazon winning CES for the second year in a row. What does it mean for Apple? What does it mean for the broader ecosystem that used to seem to be at Apple's feet and now it's moving to a different company? And I also took a deep dive into recent iPhone 10 sales trends in China. The data is courtesy of Kantar. Things were looking pretty good. We also went over how iPhone sales share is looking in other geographies as we prepare for Apple's first quarter 2018 earnings, which is right around the corner. All of those stories were sent to Above Avalon members this past week. So if you are a member, check your inbox. If you want to read those stories, all you have to do is become an Above Avalon member. You can head on over to aboveavalon.com, go to the membership page. Sign up is very simple. It's either $10 per month or $100 per year. The membership page is also where you can get more information on Above Avalon membership and the type of story topics that we include and all of the privileges and benefits associated with becoming an Above Avalon member. If you enjoy the Above Avalon podcast, if you can leave a quick rating or review for the podcast in Apple's podcast app, I would greatly appreciate it. In addition, thank you to those who let others know about the Above Avalon podcast. With that, I will conclude today's episode. I will talk to you all next week.